welcome to Moments with Marilyn. I'm your host, Marilyn Boyer, the mom of 14 homeschooled kids. I absolutely love encouraging young moms. It's my passion to give you tips and tools to make your journey easier. I homeschooled my kids over a period of 37 years, and I love sharing things that we did that worked and things we did that didn't work with you to make your journey easier. Today, I thought we would address the topic of ways to love your children biblically. And it may sound, I mean, we all love our children. It might sound like that's just a natural thing that we're going to do. But I want to point out some ways that you can do it better, um, that you can do it according to scripture, and some things to do, some things not to do. Okay, first, first one. Love is not resenting having your life complicated by having to attend the constant daily needs of your kids. I don't know how many times I would have just sat down when at the table to eat when somebody needs a drink or they spill their milk or somebody needs more green beans. Um, you know, you know how it is as a mom, it seems like you don't ever get to just sit down and eat. And I still am a really fast eater, and I think that's from over the years of having kids. When I got a chance to eat, I would eat quickly. Um, or a diaper change. You know, you're just sitting down to write the bills out, and you need to change the, the baby's diaper. Or somebody needs paper from the craft closet. Or the baby's crawling up the steps, and you need to go grab them. You know, children were not meant for our convenience. I remember um, there was a period of time when we had four little boys. We had just had a baby boy. We had four boys first. And we would go to a pizza place every Sunday after church because it was kind of a break for me. I didn't have to cook. We'd sit down and eat pizza. But invariably, um, the baby would be fine until the pizza was brought to the table. And then he would start crying, and I'd have to go out to the car and nurse him. And, you know, it's just kids were not meant for our convenience. They're never, con they're never convenient. Sickness is never convenient. You know, when your kids are sick, you have to give up your sleep. You, I remember that feeling of hearing a child throw up in the night, and I would just instantly come to life and wake up. You know, it's never convenient. But it's learning to lay down your life for the needs of those who are dependent on you. Remember that your kids don't actually belong to you. They belong to God. So when you go that extra mile to attend to their needs, you're pleasing God. And that's our mission. That's what life is all about. We are here on earth to please God. And you don't really think about it that way, but it's so true. When you get up to change that diaper or to get your child another serving, you are serving God. You're pleasing God by what you're doing if your attitude's right. Or I remember one child would constantly, Rick and I would just lay down in bed to go to sleep, and that child would somehow know and wake up and come in. And at first I kind of resented it, thinking, you know, you need to go back and stay in your bed. But then I realized... If I would just pull them up into bed with me and give them a snuggle for a few minutes, then they were ready to go back to bed. You know, sometimes they just need that affirmation that you love them and that they're important to you. So just give them a little snuggle and then send them back. Another time I remember our oldest son, um, my husband worked at the sheriff's department at the time, and 
we would try to eat breakfast together before he went off for the day. And my little son would get up and come down the hall, and Rick would say, oh, go back to bed, Ricky. It's not time for you to get up yet. And he would. He would obediently do it. But I'd look at his face, and he was just, he looked dejected. You know, he'd go walk slowly back down the hall and get to bed. And I said to my husband, you know, what are we saying to him? He gets up, he's excited to see us, and we say, go back to bed. So we changed what we did. We would, um, Rick would say, oh, Ricky, I'm so glad you woke up. Did you sleep good? And he would be all excited. He'd come out and climb on our lap, and we'd talk to him for a few minutes. And um, then it got to where he would get out of bed, and he'd come walking down the hall. I sleep good. I sleep good. And he was, he was excited to see us. We acted excited to see him. And it just changed the whole nature of things. Um, it's just a little thing, but it, it's putting your own wishes aside, your own plans aside for your kids. And it's, that's what life is all about when you have a house full of little ones. The second one, love is not reacting negatively when your schedule is interrupted for the zillionth time. You know, it's so tempting to let that irritation be in your voice or your demeanor. But your kids can see that. You know, we need to evaluate, are they really important to us? Are they more important to us than our own plans? And as a parent, you need to learn flexibility by putting your plans on the back burner. And as a mom, that happens daily. That happens multiple times daily. This is a season when you've got little ones in your house that you need to say no to other things. There's a lot of outside things you can't be involved in because you've got to evaluate your priorities and give your time with your kids. Um, and it's so important that we do this. And I would find myself constantly evaluating, can I do this activity? Or is this for another season in my life? It needs to wait. Also, if your kids interrupt you when you're talking to somebody, I told them if you need to talk to mom and she's talking to somebody else, you come up and you just lay your hand gently on my arm. And that will tell me that you need to talk to me. And as soon as I am able, I will find a place where I can stop talking to this person and see what it is that you wanted to, to tell mommy. So. You know, if you've got a plan for them, because otherwise I found they were constantly interrupting, 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 and it's not a good habit to let them get in. But if you've got a plan so that they can come and touch you or whatever, um, so that you can make time to talk to them, then they know that they're important to you, but you're teaching them good manners at the same time. Number three. Love is learning not to be critical and negative when your kids disobey or if they're just acting childishly. And it's very important to distinguish childishness from disobedience. So I'm going to give you just a couple of examples. I remember I did this in one other podcast a long time ago, so if you've heard it, forgive me. But um, one day we were taking a trip to visit my parents in Massachusetts. It's going to be a long car trip. And we stopped at McDonald's on the way. We left super early in the morning, so we stopped for breakfast. But we had brought a jug of milk to give the kids drinks of milk so we didn't have to buy drinks. And we were eating, and Rick asked the kids if they needed refills on the drinks. Little Nate said he did, so he passed his cup up, and Rick gently started pouring the milk. He was holding it over his lap. He was pouring the milk into the cup when, whoosh, 
What he didn't realize is Nate had found something in the back seat and poked holes in the bottom of his cup, not realizing what would happen. So Rick ends up starting this long trip with a soaking wet lap. The milk had spilled all over him. But you know, he wasn't trying to be disobedient. That is an example of childishness. <clears throat> Another time we had a picnic and one of my daughters came in with one of her little friends and they, they realized that we were out of lemonade outside at the picnic. So she thought she would be helpful and they got out the lemonade powder and they started mixing up lemonade and you can guess what might happen, it spilled all over the floor. And I had to come in and clean up this mess. You know how lemonade can be so sticky. I've got, I don't know, I think we had 75 people as guests outside for the picnic. And here I'm having to stop and, and clean up sticky lemonade all over the kitchen floor. But you know, that's another example. You know, I use that to instruct her, ask mom before you do that next time. But she wasn't trying to be disobedient. She was just trying to be helpful. So that's definitely an example of childishness. She just didn't have the wisdom to realize that she needed help because that was a pretty heavy jug of lemonade. So we're responsible to train them and that often leaves us with the temptation to be critical. It's our responsibility to correct the wrong we see. And yes, we do need to do that, but gently, not having a critical spirit. Don't be picky, you know, I think it's a temptation sometimes to expect more of our kids than we do of ourselves. Um, you know, I heard of one mom that was had her kids vacuum and then she went around after and she was saying, you missed that spot, you missed that spot, you missed that spot. Now you can do that, but it depends on the attitude that you do it, whether you're training them for their benefit or whether you're just being picky. So we really need to watch that we're not critical and we're not negative because otherwise the kids are going to get the opinion that whatever I do, I'm never gonna please mom. So they'll quit trying. So we need to be easy to please and not picky and overcritical. <clears throat> Love, number four, is intentionally looking for ways to encourage and praise your kids. Bathe your kids in praise. Seek out ways that you can praise them, especially for character issues when they're making wise choices, or if they're being kind, or thorough, or cheerful, or being willing to help, especially point out those kind of things to build their character. And I'm going to give you a free handout, character qualities to teach our children. And this is a list of 45 different character qualities to teach your kids, along with a simple kid-friendly definition. Like obedience is doing what's expected of me, cheerfully, immediately, and thoroughly. And then I give you a Bible verse, Colossians 3.20, so that you can teach that to your kids. Attentiveness, listening with the ears, eyes, and heart. Proverbs 15.31 for that one. So this is 45 of those. Honor, honor is viewing and treating others as a special creation of God. Kindness, treating others as you would like to be treated by them, Ephesians 4.32. Joyfulness is choosing to have a good attitude even when circumstances are hard to bear, Philippians 4.4. Now, I'm not going to read through all 45, but I'm going to give you this handout, and hopefully you can use that handout not only to teach character to your kids, but also to praise them when they do well. You know, you can read through that and and train yourself 
to look for ways that your kids are displaying godly character in their life and then praise them on that. And you will find that praise is a huge motivation in your child's life. You do need to correct them. That is a part of, of parenting. But if you lavish on the praise when they do well, they will be more open to when you correct them when they're not doing well. So I hope you find that list helpful. We, we use this with our own children, and we try to take the definitions for these character qualities and put them in wording that kids would understand that was at their level. Um, <clears throat> and then the scripture verses are applicable too. Number five, love is being willing to admit to your kids when you blow it, which you will. You know, don't think that you have to come across as infallible to your kiddos. You're not, and they know it. So admit it. You know, acknowledge to them when you're struggling with anger or unkindness or whatever it is. It's powerful learning for your kids to watch their parents struggle to learn to make wise decisions. You are training them so much more when you do that than when you're just telling them words. Also, you don't have to know the answers to all their questions. Your kids, if they're anything like mine, they had so many questions about so many things. And I think sometimes we feel like we need to be able to answer all their questions. Or else there's the temptation to make them feel like that's not an important question to ask. But, you know, tell them, I don't, I don't know the answer to that, but let's search it out. Let's see if we can find the answer to that, whether it's something from Scripture or something you can find in the dictionary or look up online. But don't feel like you have to be the answer man, that you have to know all the answers, because you don't. So honesty just really speaks to your kids' hearts. Number six, love is resisting the temptation to want to be right more than to want to do what's best for your kids' spiritual growth. Your kids are not your competition. They are your trust from God. God has entrusted them to you to train them to be godly people, to love and honor God with their lives, but they're not your competition. Resist the temptation to always want to be right. You know, you're not competing with your kids. Your job is to lovingly guide them and you need to be more concerned for their spiritual growth than winning this round. Again, don't be hard to please. If you are, your kids are going to quit trying. And I think this is part of what it means. Fathers don't exasperate your children. That's part of it, exasperating them by, by coming across that you want to be right. Or, you know, if they don't agree with you, <clears throat> they need to change. Or there's something they're not understanding. That's not always true. Sometimes your kids have more insight than you do. So you need to be willing to listen and let them feel free to express what they think about things. Number seven, love is being ready to grant forgiveness daily when your kids mess up, which they will multiple times daily. Life is all about forgiveness and repentance, and we need to learn this ourselves so that we can teach it to our kids. We need to wake up every morning being ready to forgive and repent. But walk your kids through this. Help them recognize opportunities in their life daily to forgive and to repent. Help them with the wording if they're praying to the Lord. Help them see what scripture says about whatever it is they're struggling with. If they're mocking their brother or teasing their brother, 
bring them to the word and, and help them see what scripture says about that. Our growing in wisdom study will help you with that if you need some direction as to scripture verses to go to for different offenses. Help them come up with projects for their enemies. You know, scripture says, love your enemies, do good to them. So you can help your kids develop projects to do good to their enemies and then help them to realize that vengeance is is of the Lord and they are not to take vengeance. They are to do good. They're to pray for those that despitefully use them. They are to do good to them that hate them. And you can help them develop the specific practical project to do that and then encourage them to just kind of step back and watch God work in that situation. Number eight, love is making a commitment to speak to your kids with kindness and gentleness instead of impatience. That There's a verse, um, the Living Bible Translation in Proverbs 15, 1, says, gentle words cause life and health, but griping brings discouragement. And we have used this verse, and I've told you about this verse in a different context about the griping. You know, when your child gripes, they not only discourage themselves, but they discourage everybody around them. But the first part of the verse, sometimes we forget about. Gentle words cause life and health. You are causing life and health in the lives of your kids when you speak gentle words. We need to remember that. You know, you can't take back your words or your tone of voice either. You can't fake your kids out either. They can read your tone and your body language. And you as the parent have the, the greater responsibility to set the godly example. When you don't, you'll see it coming back reflected in the lives of your kids and the way they treat others. I think sometimes our kids are little mirrors. If we're like, whoa, where did he get that? Or what kind of attitude is he talking to his brothers in? Evaluate yourself. Is that how I speak to my kids? Is that the tone of voice I use? Are they imitating me when they're talking unkindly to their siblings or somebody else? <clears throat> you know, you can use it as a wake-up call. Um, as long as you live, it's never too late to repent and to put on righteousness. But use that, when you see your own bad attitudes reflected in your kids, use it as a wake-up call and ask your kids forgiveness. You know, say, I realize that I've been speaking in a harsh tone to you. Will you forgive me? And then you remind me, and if I see you doing that to your brothers and sisters, I'll remind you too because we need to set, we need to do the right thing. We need to please God. Life is about pleasing God. That's what it all boils down to. And if the attitude that we just used does not please God, we are wrong. And that's something we need to repent from. All right, maybe one more, and we'll continue this next week. Love is taking the necessary steps to step into the shoes of your kids and see how they feel and how they perceive circumstances. Don't assume that you know what your kids are thinking, but learn to ask wise, probing questions so that you can learn to see life from their point of view. Then, if you do that, you're going to be more able to help them see life from God's point of view. For instance, if your child has a recurring sin, pride or whatever, um, 
or if, if you have that in your life, you tend to project that on your kids. If you see them doing something, you think, well, I know why they're doing that. They're, they've got they're a proud attitude. <clears throat> but that might not be so. Let me just give you an example. Um, one of our sons would appear to be angry at times. He was just little. He was probably four. And he would appear to be angry. And I remember one time my husband was going to correct him for anger. And I started noticing that when he acted angry, it was when he was embarrassed. And that's how he dealt with embarrassment. So I mentioned that to my husband. And he said, you know, I think you're right. So we didn't correct him for anger. Instead, we started teaching him how to deal with his embarrassment. But, you know, you can be so quick to just assume, you know, things are not always what they appear to be. So it would benefit you greatly to study your kids and see if there's a pattern. When they act this way, why? You know, why do you think they're acting this way? Study your kids. Um, a wise parent will do that. Don't just project your own bad attitudes on them. Okay, I think we're going to take a break here and we'll pick this up next week again. Ways to love your kids biblically. I hope you have found this helpful and we'll see you next week.